Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line like the one and only Keyshawn Johnson, who was once upon a time the first pick in the draft of the New York Jets, and today would be by far their best receiver. <laughs> He'll join me in a minute. <laughs> Uh, Deion Sanders was on first take. He had some really interesting things to say. We'll play those. Doug Peterson seems to have snapped at reporters on the subject of Carson Wentz. I want to hear that. Keyshawn loves the Lakers. We're going to talk about all that and a whole lot more uh, as I bring in my friend Keyshawn Johnson, who is one of the stars of our new morning show here on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn and Jay Will and Zubin, and he is with me now. Keyshawn, how are you, my man? What's happening, Mike? Well, I wanted to quickly start by asking you about uh, Gail Sayers. We, we just had uh, Michael Wilbon on, and, and that is a, a player, again, it's before my time, but I grew up, my father telling me all the time that there was never a player better than Gail Sayers. That if, if you mentioned, you start talking about running backs and, and you don't mention Gail Sayers, my dad would tell me, then you just have no idea what you're talking about. What was your reaction? You guys were on live as I was when we got the news that he had died this morning. Well, it, it's always obviously sad to hear that someone, you know, passed away. Um, you know, the only thing I could remember as much like you is people telling me how great of a player he was when he played and a little bit of clips over time that I've seen. And, and uh, but one of the things that the Brian song uh, television show or the television movie made for TV Mm-hmm. I remember that. That's the one thing that I remember growing up. Um, it just was one of those things. I don't know. It just stuck in my mind where a football player, a story was made about two football players. And so wanting to play football my entire life, this was one of those opportunities to see something. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know everything about death or anything like that. But when you learn that someone had cancer, you as a kid, you don't know. you like, scared to death all you know is there's this you know larger than life athlete the football player who is passed away because of cancer but you still it doesn't it just scares you because you just don't know that's all I really remember um I've met I had the fortune enough to meet him I was fortunate enough to meet him uh I don't know probably eight to ten years ago at the hall of fame in uh, in Canton so I had a chance to to have some interaction with him from there but clearly just looking at the outpour and the way people are feeling, he certainly was, you know, one of the guys, the, the forefronts at the position, as well as in professional sports that paved the way for many running backs. Really was really an iconic figure. All right. I want to play this. We haven't heard it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to play it for you. I haven't heard it myself either, but a bunch of people were telling me about it. Deion Sanders was on first take uh, today and was talking about Odell Beckham. And I'm always interested to hear your perspective on wide receivers. This was Deion Sanders earlier today on First Take talking about Odell. Odell, I pray, pray to God that marriage is made and, and continues in Cleveland. I don't think so, not whatsoever. Why? Because Baker Mayfield inconsistent. And these guys like Odell want the ball early mm-hmm. and often, and he has a consistency of what he's always done in the game. Prime. Good or bad, he's giving you a 1,000 yards. Prime, if you had your druthers... And you could put Odell Beckham Jr. on a particular team. Oh, don't do it. You had your choice. What team Ooh. would you want OBJ on most? To win? Yes. I would want him with Cam. Whoa, Cam. 
That's a I would want him with Cam, but he's not. He's, honestly, I would want him with Aaron Rodgers. I would want him with Aaron Rodgers. All right, so Deion Sanders said he thinks Baker Mayfield is too inconsistent for Odell in the big picture. And then he'd like to see him with Aaron Rodgers. Let's put the second part of it out there, out of the question. You, you know receivers better than anybody, Keyshawn. What are you seeing in Odell right now in Cleveland, and can they get it right to where it is a dynamic combination, Baker Mayfield and Odell? I think they, one, Dion is right in a number of ways, but we'll put that out the way. O, Odell is still a terrific player, but much like Prime said, you've got to utilize him and figure out how to get him the football so he can be a dynamic player and not a cardboard cutout. Can they do that? I think they can. I, it, and here's how I look at it. When you, when you got a guy like this, you don't try to fit him into your system. You try to figure out ways of getting him to football. As you talk to any coach that has coached me, Sean Payton, Coach Lynn from the Chargers, Bill Parcells, Todd Haley, any of these guys, they'll tell you there was a box on the call sheet that said Keyshawn plays. And there was about 15 plays that was marked out. No matter what the coverage was, no matter any of that, they can go to that box at any given moment, and I'll have the opportunity to participate and help my team win. That is what they have to do with Odell. They have to put an emphasis on getting him the football however they can, whether it's reverses, screens, go routes, in cuts, whatever. And he's got to do his part by catching it and delivering. It's not that difficult. It really isn't. Keyshawn Johnson with me here with always fascinating insight, particularly into receiver play. Um, Let's go to a different position, though. I have been taken aback by the struggles of two different quarterbacks so far this year. One of them is Drew Brees, um, who just doesn't look himself. Now, he's 41 years old, and you wonder if that's the factor here. It's only two weeks into the season, so you try not to overreact. As you've watched him through these first two weeks, and they were both super high-profile games, he played against Brady, so the whole world watched that, and then they were standalone on Monday night. What are you seeing in Breeze right now, and how concerned should we be about it? I don't think you should be concerned about him at all. Um, I, I am seeing him miss some targets, but I'm also seeing receivers not finishing their routes. Mm. Uh, you can look at a couple throws last week against the Raiders. Uh, one in particular uh, that, that comes to mind is Samuel across the middle where he breezes throwing to a spot and he pulls up. Another one on a tied end on an out route. The tied end hesitated. Instead of continuing to go to the sideline, he kind of stopped between the numbers in the sideline and Breeze was throwing it to the sideline. So it makes it look like Drew is not hitting the target. So it's a lot of little things that, that you need to get on the same page with. Plus, my nephew, Michael Thomas, was not there last week. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that part of it, that makes it inconsistent as well. But I think he snaps out of it much like Tom Brady did in week one. Week one, everybody's talking about Brady shot. Oh, he's bad. He's this. And it's like, no, he's not. He'll be fine. Week two, he comes out. He throws touchdowns. Nobody says anything. Week three, Drew Brees will do the same thing. Nobody will say anything. It's a really interesting game they have, by the way, this week. Saints-Packers, so Breeze against Rodgers, which is a really good matchup. The other one is Carson Wentz. Um, I'm confused by the struggles of the Eagles for a variety of reasons. I know they have injuries, but I thought that the consistency there, the fact that the coaching staff has been there and the quarterback has been there and all that with the unusual offseason, that would be an advantage for them in the division where three other teams, the other three teams all have new coaches. Clearly, it's been a very bad start. What have you seen as the problem there? Well, I think Carson is just pressing right now. He's, you know, he started off 
losing that game against the – I almost called them the Redskins – against the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you, when you look at that, his offensive line is beat up. He's not getting the time, so therefore he's not trusting what he sees. He's getting rid of the ball not on time, either early or super late. And that, that's basically what it is. Uh, you know, I think I think with time, he's one of those quarterbacks. He needs time when he's in the pocket. He's hot, he's got to get time when he's outside the pocket, which is surprising to me because he was one of the better throwers last year when outside the pocket. This year, when outside the pocket, he's outside the pocket at a minimum. When they're keeping him in the pocket this year more so already in these two games than he was last year. So I think that's some of what's going on with him. And thing once things get comfortable again and slow down, then I think you'll probably see a better Carson. Because if not, you may be seeing Geraldine Hurts in and out of the lineup at some point. That in be- and out of it. Doesn't mean doesn't mean he's going to take over. Just mean that he may take some snaps. That would really be something. They play Cincinnati this week. That's a game they figure to win, and, and I think – Reasonably speaking, they better. Keyshawn Johnson with me here on the Shell Pendle Performance Line, Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. All right, Key, let's get to what I know you really want to talk about. What happened to the Lakers last night, and how concerned are you, if at all? I'm not, I'm not concerned with it at all. I thought that they would win in five. I also thought that they would lose game two. Jay Will thought they would lose game three, which they did. Um, they need to play better, obviously. Our bench needs to play better. They need to match the intensity of the second unit for the Nuggets, and I think that that is part of our problem. The, the KCPs, the, the Kuzmas, the, the Danny Greens, uh, the Carusos of the world, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, those guys have got to play better because getting triple-doubles from LeBron James and near triple-doubles from AD and losing games, you'll certainly be going home, much like the Clippers, if that continues. 30-point triple-double from LeBron last night, and they were down 20 before they came back in the fourth. All right, Keyshawn, uh, you guys are doing great in the mornings. Congratulations again. It's great to have you here and to see you as often as I get to now. We'll do this again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Okay, thanks a lot. That's Keyshawn Johnson with me again. KJZ, they do the show right across the hall um, here. We are, we are just to give you all a sense of what we do here in, in our C, uh, studios in the South Street Seaport, which is in Lower Manhattan. We have two major sets, two big studios. Studio One, which is where we do Get Up. Studio Two is where they do First Take. Um, and those guys are set up in there. KJZ, they set up in like in the little side of the room there before Stephen A. and Max and Molly come in. And so it's been really nice to see them. And this morning we flip-flopped a little. Uh, Jay Williams came in and did a little bit on my show. And, and Dan Graziano went in and did a little time on radio. So it's been very nice to get everyone back together again here. And it's good to have Keyshawn in New York. And so that's all um, all well and good there. I, I told you I have this Doug Peterson soundbite that I'm going to get to for you in a little while because it, it sounds to me like he snapped at some reporters in Philly. And, and listen, it's easy to understand where things are getting a little tense because they've looked just flat bad. And they're a team that's supposed to be good. And there are teams that are bad that you didn't really expect a lot more from. There's nothing worse than being a team that everyone expects to be good and being bad. So that seems to be the situation they have right now with the Eagles. All right, uh, Greeny with you here, presented by Progressive Insurance, my guest on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. I want to play this story for you. So I do a podcast once a week, and I do these long-form interviews. I love long-form interviews. There isn't as much place for them on television anymore as there used to be. So on ESPN, we used to have a show with, uh, hosted by Roy Firestone where he would do these long-form interviews, and I loved it. I would watch it. It was sort of like Larry King, but sports. 
Um, Larry King, of course, is a dated reference now, too. I, I don't know what shows there are really out there in, in any format now where they do long-form interviews, but I like them. I, I'm fascinated by them, and podcasts have now become the best place to do those. So that's why I wanted to bring mine back, and I'm interviewing a variety of sports voices I, uh, for this season. I did Vern Lundquist the first week. I'm taping Chris Berman today for my podcast, I'm Interested, which will drop next week. This week's episode is with Ahmad Rashad, and we, we taped the interview last week, and I was listening to it back yesterday, and I will tell you that the story he tells at the very end of it struck me that and for some reason, while he was telling me the story, it didn't strike me as powerfully as it did when I listened to it back yesterday. So I don't usually do this. I usually leave the podcast just unto itself and you can listen, but I really wanted you to hear this. So this was Ahmad Rashad. I asked him about the death of Kobe Bryant. And he went right into a story. Ahmad, who knows everyone and certainly knew Kobe well, and, and you probably know his best friends with Michael Jordan. He went into this terrific story about the two of them. I'll just play you a little bit of it. This was Ahmad Rashad. He won, always played Michael one-on-one. You know, and when Michael would quit, we, we, we went to a game. And after the game, we go in this little room. And Phil's there and Kobe's there. Michael's there, myself. And Phil's asking Michael to come out to practice maybe and come practice with us a little bit. And Kobe, without missing the beat, goes, yeah, come on out there so I can kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's the, so Michael's saying, whoa, 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 man, you can't guard me. Kobe goes, you can't guard me. This is a young kid like that, right? And he goes, yeah, you need some shoes, you need some stuff. I got stuff in my locker. Just come on out and we can play. And it just kept going and going back and forth. And so finally when we left, as we're walking out to the car, Michael just looks over and he goes, you know what? I love that kid. That's Ahmad Rashad on my podcast, I'm Interested. It's part of a longer version of that story, but it, you got the beats of it there. And for whatever reason, when he was telling me that story, I was amused by it. But as I listened to it back yesterday, I had a very different reaction to it. You know, that's an incredible story to tell if you're Ahmad Rashad and you're on a stage somewhere with an audience and Michael's sitting on one side of you and Kobe's on the other. It is a very different story now. It's a very different recollection now. It's, it's a different remembrance with what happened at the beginning of this year, something that still feels surreal. It, it, at times, because this whole year has been so crazy, it feels, it feels hard to believe it actually happened. Sometimes you forget that it actually happened. It doesn't, doesn't seem possible that it actually happened. And so hearing that story, just imagine being a young player like... Um, like Kobe Bryant was at that time, and meeting Michael Jordan, your idol. And there's a terrific uh, piece about that Jeff Perlman wrote about Kobe in which he talks about how Kobe idolized Michael Jordan all the way back to when he was growing up in Italy. And now here you are, you're meeting him, and you've got the same coach, Phil Jackson, is your legendary coach. And Michael comes in and he's like, yeah, we should play sometime. And Kobe says, yeah, because I'll kick your butt. That, that's, quite a, that's, that's quite a mentality. I mean, it, it, is, it is so foreign to me and the way I think and the way I would, I am and would be so deferential of someone that I respected that much, regardless of the industry. Like when I first met, we just had Michael Wilbon on, and when I first met Michael Wilbon, I was, I was somewhat overwhelmed by it and by him uh, because I followed in his footsteps in so many different ways. We went to the same school and I'm 10 years younger than he is. And, and so, you know, when I meet someone like Michael Wilbot, now he and I know each other pretty well. Same with Costas. I'll tell you a Costas story. I know I'm segueing into the ridiculous here. There's nothing to, whatsoever to do with Kobe and Michael. 
But I do think there's something about meeting, regardless of the fact that, that Kobe and Michael are operating on a level that, that is almost unimaginable to any other person. All of us have people that we admire, that we look up to, who sort of were, who do what we do and maybe did it better. So the first time I ever meet Costas, I was a kid reporter and Costas was at NBC and I remember trying to book him on talk shows and stuff like that a few times, but he had no idea who I was, nor should he have. And, and so we, to say we met would even be an overstatement. But someone did an interview with me, little one of these little local magazine interviews, like a little glossy local magazine, did an interview with me when Mike and Mike was first starting to become a little bit popular in the early 2000s. And I, I said in, in the interview that someone had once called me a poor man's Bob Costas and that I considered it to be the greatest compliment that anyone could ever possibly pay me. And I didn't think much of saying that. It was true. And it wasn't the only time I'd ever said it. I guess it was the only time I ever said it that it wound up in print. Again, in in a magazine article that I would have guessed was going to be seen by 11 people, all with the last name of Greenberg. (laughs) I, I did not imagine that anyone who was not related to me was going to read this magazine. And then out of absolutely nowhere, a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from a number that I do not recognize. And of course, because I'm an idiot, I screen it. I don't answer the phone. And I check the message a little bit later. And it is the unmistakable voice of Bob Costas, who somehow, and for reasons known only to him, took the time to get my phone number from someone and was calling to tell me that he had seen what I had said and that he was flattered, but, and I quote, that I should not feel I'm a poor man's anyone that I'm doing very well and that he's proud of me. And I can tell you that there are no words to describe how much that meant to me. I'm still overwhelmed by it. A quick parenthetical finish to that story. I saved that message and I played it for everyone, literally everyone. Want to hear my Costas message? I would walk up to people, Bubba, this would be before Bubba's time on Mike and Mike. Um, Maybe Liam would remember this. Certainly Justin would remember it. I can't remember exactly what year this was, but I would just walk up to people with my phone and say, hey, do you want to hear my Costas message? And I would play it. And then I found out to my horror that in those days, the phone, it was a trio. I don't even know if they make those anymore. It wasn't. It was just before the iPhone or it was before I had an iPhone. It was a trio before the BlackBerry. It was just a phone, basically, that, that it automatically deleted it. Like the message was just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. The next time I talk to Costas, I have to ask him to, re, to, re, to reenact that. I need him to, to leave me another message like that so I can save it, make it a voice memo or something, because I'd like to be able to listen to it forever. So I've, I've managed to sidetrack myself now by segueing into four little subsets of what was actually a pretty good story that Ahmad Rashad told. But one way or another, that's, that's a little bit of the podcast. If you'd like to hear it in its entirety, Ahmad tells unbelievable stories. But that one, it just... It struck me differently. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but when he was telling me that story, it only struck me as funny. Like, boy, isn't that hilarious that Kobe would say that to Michael? And then yesterday when I was listening to it, I just had a very a very different reaction to it. All right, uh, Greeny with you here. Uh, a lot left to do. I am being told that, or I have been told, that Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, snapped a little bit today when being asked about Carson Wentz. We need to hear it. We need to get to the bottom of that. The best player in American team sports has received an entirely different kind of honor. We will get to that as we continue. Greeny, the podcast.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I would say uh, Jamal is a complete basketball player. He's not just a scorer. He's a playmaker. Murray on the other end of the floor flushes hard with a right hand. Jamal made some big, big baskets down the stretch. Nuggets, stay alive in that series. I'm Greeny with you as we approach the bottom of the hour. I'm on ESPN Radio every afternoon with you here and delighted that you've chosen to spend some time with me. And don't forget, you can listen to ESPN Audio at home on your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van, find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything. Denver staying alive with uh, with an impressive win last night, a game that wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. They were up by 20. They were blowing the Lakers out, and then the Lakers made a furious comeback at the beginning of the fourth quarter, cut it to as, many, as close as three, and then Jamari Murray hit a couple of big threes, and that was all she wrote. So Denver stays alive. And we'll see. Um, I give all the credit in the world to that team. The Nuggets are a good team. They're fun to watch. They are they are of a very bright future because I think that that kid Porter may wind up being the best player of all of them if he's able to stay healthy. But Jamal Murray has really emerged in the bubble, and Nikola Jokic is a genuine star. So they're very good. But the Lakers will still win that series. They do not lose any confidence in it. Neither does, uh, for, for whatever it's worth, Keyshawn Johnson, the biggest Laker fan I know, who was with me a little earlier. Jay Williams, Jalen Rose, Kendrick Perkins, and Zach Lowe, all on Get Up With Me this morning. All of them still believe the Lakers will win. So that would be my assumption. We'll see where it goes from there. All right, next order of business. I, I want to hear this. So I've been told that Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, snapped at reporters today when being asked about the struggles of his quarterback, Carson Wentz, who is undoubtedly playing badly. That's just that's not, a, that's not an opinion. It's a statement of fact. The numbers tell the story, the eye test tells the story, and the 0-2 record tells the story. So let's hear this. We're hearing it together for the first time. I'm told we'll hear the reporters, and we will hear the coach. Carson had great protection all day. He wasn't sacked. I think he only got knocked down once. And I know you were asked Monday why he's missing throws, and it's an assortment of reasons. But some of the throws that he's missing are, are sort of like layups. Um, what, what could be the reason for, for some of those easier misses that, that, that he's missing? Have you played quarterback in the National Football League? I have not, Doug. Okay. They're not layups. There ain't a throw out here that's a layup. Um, and and so, uh, you know, some of it is just timing with, with young guys. Um, some of it is just, you know, you know, Carson just being, you know, not accurate at that particular time. It could it could be that there's a defensive guy that flashed a hand where he's, you know, got to, got to change his arm angle at the split second. There's, there's all kinds of reasons um, for, for accuracy. And these are things that we continue to work on and will continue to work on, you know, the entire season. All right. So I see why the reaction is what the reaction is. The the question is that, did you ever play quarterback? I, I don't know who that is asking the question. And I don't know what the relationship is. 
as a rule, I'm never a particular fan of that. Um, but I don't have an issue with the coach defending his guy. And I can see why the coach might be a tad put off by the use of the word layups. Now, again, the, whether the reporter, let's just use me for this example. If I'm the reporter asking that question, whether or not I could execute that throw is really not the point. I'm obviously not getting paid $100 million to be the quarterback of an NFL team, and Carson Wentz is. So to ask the reporter if he's ever played quarterback in an NFL game, which is is a rhetorical question, and and it's just being kind of a jerk, um, is obviously going to make some people, it's going to put some people off. He didn't yell and scream and and get all crazy, which is sort of what I was expecting. So I'm going to say I don't think that's a very big deal, I understand why some people will make a big deal of it. I've never been a fan of the, well, have you ever played? That's somewhat silly. Because I haven't played, and I'm not suggesting that I have the ability to execute that throw, but it isn't my job to do it. It's his job to do it, and I know enough about the game to see that he's playing badly. There there are probably a lot of reasons that the Eagles are struggling. One of them is that Carson Wentz is playing badly. That's a, a definitive fact. Whether they're layups or not, whether on one or another of them someone changed his arm angle, he's playing badly. In one game, he got sacked eight times and threw the ball away zero times. That's been his problem from the day he came into the league. There's something in that decision-making and that internal clock that he just doesn't, he just has never really fully gotten right. He's a player who I continue to think has a chance to be great. And he's just playing badly. And I'm not one sitting here saying he should be benched after two bad games. You know, all players, every player in the NFL practically will have two bad games this year. When they're the first two, it looks really bad in the middle of the third week. If he goes out and plays well against Cincinnati this week, then a lot of this talk will quiet down. And if he continues to play well, then it won't really have mattered that he had two bad games. But right now it looks bad, and the criticism is warranted. It's genuine, and it it is worthwhile, and it, it is meaningful. And it, it probably doesn't, I don't know Doug Peterson well. He was in this studio with me once after they won the Super Bowl. They came in here on his book tour. And he's a very pleasant guy. And he's obviously a very good coach. I do not think it serves him well. I do not think it's a good look to ask if you've ever played quarterback. I think there's a way of doing that that doesn't make you seem quite that way. I can see him being put off by the description of the plays as a layup. I, I can see that bothering him. But um, And, and I, I never will have a problem with a coach trying to defend his player. But I think that was one. If, if he could have that one back, I wonder if he wouldn't rather have that one back. All right, Greeny with you. Um, I told you that the best player in American team sports received an entirely different kind of honor. And that player is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World joining celebrities, activists, political figures, and the president. Yankee Hall of Fame shortstop Derek Jeter wrote on the time selection of Mahomes, quote, there is a lot more promise in Patrick Mahomes' future than just on-field accolades. He already has started to build a legacy as one of the most impactful athletes of his generation, and I, for one, am excited to see what is next. That's very interesting that... that um, that Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes does feel like he might be the beginning of something new. So in the way that Michael Jordan was the beginning of something new, Michael Jordan ushered in a new era of superstar. And part of that was the timing. 
If you've ever read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks a lot about the significance of timing. So take someone, for example, like Bill Gates. Bill Gates, with all of his genius and all of his foresight and, and, and everything that he did, he had a vision of the world and how it would change, and he was right. If he had been born 20 years before or 20 years later, he couldn't have been Bill Gates. There's an element of timing that is imperative in all of these things. If Jeff Bezos was born right now, he couldn't start Amazon 50 years from now because it already happened. The world has already changed. Circumstances kind of put you in a position to be able to do something that spectacular. And Michael Jordan came along at a time, as dated a reference as this seems like it is now, he came along at a time that cable television first really expanded. He came along at the time that ESPN was first becoming something that was in every household and was meaningful and was greatly increasing the visibility of athletes. And thus, Michael Jordan, he rode that through his brilliance as a player and his extraordinary charisma to becoming famous on a level that no previous athlete ever had the opportunity to be. LeBron James, I've always said, is the first immortal of the social media era. And that explains, in my view, a lot of the criticism. Because every little tiny nitpick is available and everyone has a voice. And the thing about social media is everyone has a voice and it gives everyone the somewhat mistaken impression that everyone's voice matters. That isn't true, but people sometimes think it is. And so LeBron James is the first superstar of that time. Patrick Mahomes, I think, comes along at a different time. We are in a, in a period of extraordinary change as a society right now, racially and in a lot of other ways. And I think that Patrick Mahomes might become the first immortal, the first superstar of that era, the first superstar who can speak about the way he feels as a black man in America in ways that people like LeBron James and Michael Jordan probably could not. They just, or at least felt they could not. And I think that we are seeing that. He is on that. If you saw, I remember when, I, when that, that video came out at the beginning of the summer before Roger put out his response when all the different NFL players, a variety of them, were talking about what they wanted, what they were basically demanding from the NFL. The first reaction I had was, wow, Mahomes is in that. Mahomes, it just makes a difference. He's the face of the league. And he has the ability and he has the platform to be transformational. So when Time Magazine lists him as one of the 100 most important people in the world, I buy it. All right, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Okay, uh, right now, I'm opening up the phones. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN. I'm changing the topic because with, the, with the, this very sad passing of Gail Sayers, it got me thinking about the movie Brian song. And then someone just sent me a note and said, today is the 20th anniversary of the release of Remember the Titans, which some people think is the greatest sports movie of all time. 888-SAY-ESPN. What's the best sports movie ever made? Let's have a little fun. We could all use a laugh today. 888-SAY-ESPN. Doesn't have to be funny. Your, your favorite sports movie, call me now. Your answer's next. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny with you. We'll take the show out today with your calls, 888-SAY-ESPN, because I got to thinking with the, the, the passing of Gail Sayers, which we talked about at great length today, and the legendary movie, Brian's song, which, again, if you make it through that movie without crying, I wonder if something is wrong with you. And today is also the 20th anniversary of the release of Remember the Titans. It got me thinking, what's the greatest sports movie ever made? Let's have some fun talking about it. Mike, you're on ESPN Radio. Mike, what's the best sports movie ever? Greatest sports movie ever in any given Sunday. It might not be the best from a sports standpoint, but it has everything you're looking for. Star power, great storyline, drama at the end. Shows you the real, what really could happen to a coach and a star player at the end of the season if they're not getting a job done. I like it. I like it, Mike. Not anywhere near my favorite, but I know a lot of people did love it any given Sunday. Sort of a controversial pick, I think, amongst football people. Most of the football people I know, the football players I know, did not like it because they did not think the football was very realistic at all. Uh, let's see who is next here. I See, I write these things down and then I can't read them myself. Frisco. Frisco, you're next with Greeny. What's the best sports movie ever? Frisco. Hey, Greeny. Flemington, New Jersey. Frisco here. Thanks for taking the call. Greatest sports movie, hands down, along with the most underrated quarterback in the history of football, Leo Farnsworth. Heaven can wait. Warren Beatty. What a great movie. Star power. Along with being a Steeler fan, love the clips of the Steelers-Rams. Max Corkrell playing the, the whatever he was. No, I loved it. I love that movie. You don't have to tell me. I love that movie. That's with Charles Grodin and and I mean we're going a ways back. Julie Christie. That's an old movie. That's a movie from my childhood. That is a great movie. And it, it, there's a ton of sports in it. I don't know that I think of it as a sports movie, but you're right. He's a quarterback, and the whole movie is about him trying to get back to playing quarterback. So I'll take it. I, I, it's actually a fantastic movie. Heaven can wait. I think that was nominated for an Oscar for best picture. If I'm not mistaken, Blaine, you're next up. Greatest movie, sports movie you ever saw, Blaine. Go. Hey, Greeny. Um, I love Major League. Uh, baseball <laughs> movies are kind of a, a, you know, I do a special too. place in my heart. Um, disclaimer, being a Pirates fan, Major League always gave me hope that the Pirates could do something when the Tribe got the vibe. The wild thing was like the, sin, the, 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 the prototype closer. Um, the lines out in the outfield, too high, too high, banging on the drums. I mean, Wesley Snipes snagging bags, you know, Willie Mays Hayes and who wouldn't want to play for Lou Brown, you know, as he takes that call in the garage and says, there's no way that you know, you're from the Yankees. It's a great Taylor movie. Too. It's Just a great movie. movie. I'm with you. And you left out even my favorite parts of that movie, which are Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre in that movie is it maybe it's just because I'm a sports announcer, but Bob Euchre in that movie, I think is pricelessly funny. That's also a good movie. Like major league is a movie that is not just funny, but is a genuinely good movie. So you have to break movies up sometimes into comedies and not comedies. Uh, t- let me get two more calls in here, and then I'll give you my list. James, go ahead. What's your favorite sports movie? Yeah, being born and raised in Texas, um, 
by far, it's got to be Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Just the story behind it and Booby Miles, the fall of him, and it's just Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, it's got him. Tim McGraw, it's got to be one of my favorites. Well done. I like it. All right, it's a good call. I know a lot of people will agree with that. One more. Mitchell, you're on with Greeny. What's your favorite sports movie? I'd have to say it's The Replacements with Keanu Reeves yeah. and Gene Hackman. I didn't All see that. great football plays. That, that's, oh, the first, great that's the first one we've had that I didn't see, Mitchell. I, I, my wife loves Keanu. Here's the problem I have with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves makes my wife make a sound that I don't like. Like if he comes across, if we're on the TV and you flip the channels and he comes in, she goes, ooh, ooh. When she sees Keanu Reeves, if, 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 if there's a, an announcement that he has a new movie out, she goes, ooh, I've been married 23 years. She's never once made that sound about anything I did. So she likes Keanu Reeves a little too much for my liking. But thank you for the call. I never saw that movie. See, to me, you have to break movies up into comedies and not comedies. There are three great sports comedies. Now, you just mentioned Major League. I didn't think of that. I'm going to put it a half a step down. The two really legendary sports comedies, in my opinion, are Caddyshack and Slapshot. Slapshot stands alone. If you haven't seen Slapshot, do yourself a favor. It's an older movie now, but it holds up. Caddyshack is iconic. There's not a single person in, in, who has ever picked up a golf club who doesn't love that movie. And then there was a little scene basketball movie that I liked a long time ago called Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan and Bernard King. Underappreciated movie. And then the serious ones, people will talk about Remember the Titans, and it's a great movie. People will all bring up Hoosiers, it's in a great movie. I'll tell you what my favorite is, and it might sound a little bit cliche, but I think I would go with the original Rocky. I think the original Rocky, top to bottom, holds up to this day as a genuinely great movie. And I was just somewhere, I forget where, and and they were just showing a clip of it, the part where he goes, yo, Adrian, I did it at the end, and I get chills just seeing it now. And, and the movie is whatever it is, 40 years old, and I've seen it 60 times. That's a great movie, so I'd put that one at the top. Rest in peace, Gail Sayers. Your life was obviously a lot more than a movie. One of the great players of all time and incredible stories. Our sympathies to his friends and to his former teammates. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.